travelers to Greece rave about how good the food is and how healthy it is. Here to help unlock the magic of authentic Greek food are Greek tour guides Anastasia Gaitanu, Ioana Papakosta, and David Willett. Ioana, what should a traveler know ahead of time about what they're going to eat in Greece? Well, first of all, he has to have in mind that food in Greece is simple. You start with this beautiful environment and this very rich soil that blesses us with amazing and tasty ingredients. And you will find out that most of our dishes are simple, but so delicious. Most of them are an experience. So, Anastasia, when you think of your favorite Greek dishes, uh, what ingredient do you have a particular appreciation for? Oh, that is so difficult. <laughs> Everything's my favorite, but I cannot cook without olive oil. Olive oil. Mm. Olive oil, absolutely. I have a family of three, and I need about five liters of olive oil per month. Five liters a month? That's more than a gallon of olive oil a month you use. Now, would this be extra virgin Italian olive oil? Mm. This will be <laughs> definitely virgin oil, if I can extra, but Greek. Greek. We have a lot of olive oil. We have a lot, about 400,000 to 500,000 tons mm. per year, depending on the weather mainly. And about 70% of that is virgin olive oil. What is virgin olive oil? What does that mean? Virgin olive oil is the oil that we get from the first pressing, and it has very low acidity levels. Ah. Mainly the quality of the olive oil is determined by its taste and by its acidity level, mainly. So, so when, a, when somebody sits down in a taverna and has a good Greek salad, what is the dressing for the salad? Well, if it would be really Greek salad, it would be olive oil and salt. That would, that be, would it. be it. Not ranch, yeah. not blue cheese, no, none of that. No, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and a Greek salad would be tomatoes, hopefully Greek tomatoes. If you try a Greek tomato, you will remember or for the first time realize what a tomato really tastes like. So tomatoes, cucumber, and then it depends. Many use onions, some use peppers, olives, definitely, and to characterize something as a Greek salad or choriatiki, that's the village salad, mm -hmm. then you have to have a big chunk of feta cheese on oh, top. Oh, yeah, a big chunk of feta cheese. David Willett, you wrote the Lonely Planet Guide to Greece. Uh, what sort of a tip would you give to a traveler to uh, get the best value when you're going to spend money in a restaurant? I assess things by eye. Where the, uh, the locals are eating, I go and eat. And often it's very clearly uh, defined. You'll have a restaurant that's completely full, on one side and one that's empty on the other. So which one has the good food? Let the people tell you. The locals know. The locals know. So I always uh, trust the locals when seeking advice, not necessarily your hotel concierge. They often do deals with hotels. Right. I trust my own judgment, and I go out and look. Now, one thing I'm aware of when I'm trying to watch my dollar as I'm traveling is not to overorder. And in Greece, it's a great situation if you're traveling with a, a family or a small group because you can eat family style and have many different options without overordering. Talk a little bit about the, the meze style of eating. Well, I think that really when you sit down and order in Greece, you need to think about ordering for the table, not for yourself. So you order a variety and you order it to share. It goes in the middle of the table and you take the food from those plates and put it on your own or you simply eat from those communal plates. All right. Joanna, as a traveler, is there something strange and frightening that I should be aware of ordering just for the experience? What do you find is a, an unusual food that people enjoy when they're traveling around Greece? Snails. You have snails in Greece, <laughs> huh? Yes, yes. But, you know, you don't come across them very often. Mostly no. the locals cook them at home. I don't Octopus, think... maybe, that's for, for some travelers. 
if they haven't had octopus before. But still, you have to be open-minded because these are not tastes that are going to shock you. And I find that most of the times people have a problem when they eat fish, fresh fish that the fishermen just brought out early in the morning. And you have it grilled and it's delicious. But sometimes people, when they see the whole fish, they... With the head on it. They're afraid, I yeah. suppose the head on it is, is a good thing. You know, it's a fresh You fish. know, it's fresh looking at its eye, of is course. Is that right? So yes. that's part of the reason to have Before the head it on it. Before it's cooked, yeah. All right. Now, there's mm. different kinds of eateries. The taverna, the, the meze place, the place for wuzo. Can you talk about these and, and what you would look for when you're choosing a restaurant? What are the traditional kinds of restaurants? It depends, first of all, how you want to spend your time. If uh-huh. you want to have a nice, long meal... You go to a taverna, usually families go there, but if you have some time to spend with your friends, you would go to a place to eat some mezes and drink some uzo or chipuro, where you have the drinks come with little side dishes, a variety of delicacies on And them. that would be a, a, a meza? Meze do polio. A restaurant that specializes in, like, tapas that can yes. be shared. Yeah. All right. It. David Willett, Johanna just mentioned uzo and chipuro. Uzo is... An alcohol, preferably a fairly neutral alcohol, made from either sugar cane or figs, something that produces a neutral flavored alcohol, and that is then flavored with anise and uh, other herbs and spices. Uzo. Yes, and this is Uzo. The, And you add water and it becomes cloudy. You add water and it becomes uh, cloudy. Chiporo is a, a, a grape product. Oh, it's, it's a grape, so more like a grappa. It, it is exactly the same as grappa. Grappa, Chikudia, they're all the same product. Eau de Vie in France, they're all produced from the grape trash. Okay. Anastasia, when we go to Greece, olives seem to have a, there's a passion for olives, and I've been with people who, it's a family recipe of how they prepare their olives. Of course, you can't eat an olive off the tree. How do you have to prepare it, and how, what sort of national pride or regional pride or even family pride is there with olives? Olives define us, really. You find them almost everywhere in Greece. They do grow almost everywhere. And they're a very good culture because the olive tree. So it needs very little water but a lot of sun. And it can grow even on rocky soil. So we have it everywhere except on the high mountains. And most families that have the luxury of owning a small piece of land have some olive trees. And many produce their own olive oil and they have their own olives. So what we do is we collect them, and then you have to wash them, of course, because mm-hmm. they have been on the tree for a long time. <laughs> you mm-hmm. never know. And then you either put them in salt, if you yeah. like them salty, and they let them practically a, cook a salty in the liquid? salt. Or, or no, just salt. Just salt. Just a big barrel with salt, and you put them in. Mm-hmm. These are the salty ones. But usually what we do is we put them in brine, and we leave them there. We change the salt water many times, and then the last salt water... You define the taste of the olive because you should never eat an olive from the tree. It tastes horrible, Mm -hmm. horrible. Mm -hmm. So you define the taste by what you put into the salt water, which can be lots of different herbs, uh, lemon, uh, an apple for the acidity, uh, onions, whatever you like. Thank you. Now, I just want to finish by letting each of you talk just a bit about some of the classic dishes. Uh, You want a tzatziki. Oh, my God. This is... What we use instead of Windex, <laughs> my big fan, <laughs> in everything. So tzatziki is um, basically the most popular dip we have in Greece. So this is a dip for it's your a dip, bread, for your vegetables. A spread on your bread, exactly. It's a side What's it made dip. out of? Yogurt, mm-hmm. cucumber, garlic, 
a touch of vinegar, olive oil, salt and pepper. You can get it at any restaurant. It's, it's everywhere. Sometimes people add carrots or dill, but the traditional thing is the basic. David Willett, moussaka. Moussaka. You've asked the wrong person, Rick, because I've got an allergy to red meat. Oh, no. no but Let's go to Anastasia then. Moussaka. May I also add, say that um, traditional is um, something very relevant. It's traditional mainly to those who come to Greece. And this traditional dish is not very old. It basically consists out of meat and um, eggplants. But nowadays we have layers of potatoes, eggplants, minced meat, and then the newest addition of the 60s and 70s, bechamel sauce on top. Oh my goodness. So this is a relatively new dish, not with deep tradition. Most of what is considered to be very traditional abroad, not in Greece, is what became very popular through mainly movies and through the time Uh, in which Greece was very popular in the 60s abroad. So that's interesting. This sort of pop culture, immigration patterns and so on can shape our perception of a a traditional cuisine. David Willett, the souflaki pita. Now we're on my territory because it it combines elements that we've already mentioned. Most people in Greece, by the way, they're often surprised when they don't find that they get pita bread with everything because pita bread is really served in the souvlaki shops. Because souvlaki is basically a skewer of meat, but my image of a souvlaki is a souvlaki pita, actually, wrapped in the greasy bun, right? Yes, with uh, tzatziki, with salad, with French fries often too because whatever fits in there gets put in there. And it's a, a meal for... About two years. Sort of a hamburger. It's like the hamburger or yeah. the, the hot meal to mm. go if you're on the run. And I think the defining thing is the quality of the tzatziki in the end because that really is the is what holds it all together. That's my go-to meal when I'm just wanting a quick lunch is a good souvlaki pita. Well, you know, you only get tzatziki in the south with your souvlaki, mm. not in the north. Yes. Uh, is that right? So you yeah. won't find the north pizza. North is different. Uh, well, may, that's important to remember. If I may add one more thing. When people are asking for pita, uh, usually they ask for lamb. It's not very common in Greece to have lamb in a pita. It's mostly pork or chicken. Because many also confuse it with the Turkish equivalent. Oh, yeah, the doner kebab. We, it's many similarities in our mm-hmm. culture. So usually it's lamb, because in a Muslim country you don't eat pork. But ours is mainly pork. Okay, now for dessert, I'll let each of you just share your favorite dessert. Anastasia. Well, before I tell you that, you have to know that Greek desserts are sweet. Yes. Really sweet. That's why the pieces are smaller than the pieces you're used to. My favorite is galaktobureko. That is a kind of pie with filo dough on top and underneath, and it has a thick cream filling, and of course the whole thing is soaked in syrup, and it's to die for. And the name again? Galactobureko. Try combining it with vanilla ice cream. Ooh. David Willett, how would you cap your meal, sweet or otherwise? I was about to say that I don't have a particularly sweet tooth until Anastasia mentioned Galactobureko, when everything falls apart. Normally in Greece, what I look forward to is the amazing fruit, how I like to end a meal. Watermelon is, yeah. is, is my favorite. A piece of cold, crisp watermelon is the perfect way to finish a meal. Joanna. Well, what's better than yogurt, honey, and walnuts oh, in Greece? Greek yogurt with Greek honey and walnuts. Ah, on that note, I'll thank all of you for sharing with us the delights of the country you know so well. Thank you, Rick. Thank, thank you. you. Come and taste them. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. 
To learn more, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.